Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy, and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. Hi, HMOers. Thank you so much for tuning in to this latest podcast episode. Now, today's a little bit different because what I've decided to do on this podcast episode is to interview some of my mentees, my mentoring clients who are currently on one of my mentoring programs. And I thought it'd be really interesting for you to listen to some of their stories, their journey, if you like, into HMOs, how they got started, some of the stumbling blocks and the problems that they've had, how they've overcome them, and some of the advice that they would give if you're looking to start investing in HMOs, or if you already are investing in HMOs, what you can learn from them. So on the podcast today, we have Dan Thompson. Say hello, Dan. Hello. Uh, Sarah Holson beach Hi, Sarah. Hi, Wendy. Hi. And Jane Vincent. Hi, Jane. Hi, Wendy. So uh, we all know each other very well because we work together, we have support sessions together, we have training sessions together. And I've been working with, uh, with one of them, uh, sorry, with, with either of them for more for six months or more. I think they've all been on the program for six months or more, each of them. So they've all got some experience, um, different levels, and we'll go through what that experience is one by one. But what I'd like to do really is just to start with Dan. So, Dan, first of all, can you just tell me a little bit about what you do in your, your normal occupation? Yeah, okay. So, um, I'm a manual therapist. So, I work in private healthcare, fixing necks and backs mainly. Um, and one of those people were Wendy, in fact. So, that's how I got to know Wendy. So. That's right. It was me, wasn't it? Because I was, I, I've got a slight problem with my lower back. And uh, I, I, I actually phoned up your practice and made an appointment and you were the, the practitioner that I saw and you helped me to run the London Marathon. I always say that, Dan, without you, I wouldn't have been able to London Well done. London Marathon. Thank you. So, yeah, brilliant. So, so you, and how long have you been doing that? I studied for three years and then I practiced for two years until current day, until today. So... <clears throat> What made you start to think about investing in HMOs? Um, I think there was a few things. So obviously, when, you, when you're a student, you live in HMOs. So you have kind of first-hand experience of um, living in HMOs, the pros and the cons that, that go with that. And then also being 24 and a young professional myself and my sister's been similar to my age. They've lived in HMOs as students, but also as young professionals too, when you don't want to move back in with mum and dad often that's the option that you go for rather than if you can't afford to live on your own. So kind of seeing it for first hand was, was one reason why I thought, yeah, I could, I reckon I could, I reckon I could do this. Um, and then reading a couple of books and learning more about money and different streams of income and spending different ways to spend and ways to live your lifestyle and stuff like that kind of prompted me to, to think, yeah, you know, I, I, I fancy a bit of this and, and property is one way of lots of different ways of, um, of, of achieving that. So you had already started to educate yourself a little bit about investing and about different strategies to make passive or residual income, hadn't you? Yes. Um, although not much, but yeah, absolutely. I'd read a book or two and, and decided that, um, decided that this is something that I'm interested in and, and that it seemed achievable. Um, and then it became something that I thought, well, if I can do it, I might as well bring my mate along with me and, and try and get him involved. So 
a lot of young people, you know, kind of your age are, are more thinking about how to spend their money rather than invest their money. Um, so, you know, at your age, 24, you're still very young to be doing this. Uh, and, and a lot of people would start with probably single buy to let properties rather than HMOs. So what was it about HMOs that made you think, no, we want to go straight in at that level? Yeah, I mean, I think that investing is still spending. It's just a different way of spending. So for me, spending is spending, whether you go and get an Audi on finance or whether you decide to spend money on a house. Um, it's just a different kind of spending. But then HMOs particularly, I would say I came across different invest different HMO investors, not just yourself, but I also had other um, clients who invested and I was, I was given the opportunity to spend weeks and kind of half an hour a week for 10 weeks in a row with these people. And I could kind of just siphon information from them and, and different pros and different cons. And, and lots of the people, well, there was a common trend, lots of the people that came through my office owned property, um, not in H not necessarily all HMO, but single buy to let too. So I knew that property was the way to go. And then it made sense in my head and in Albie's head, my business partner, that to, to increase the yield out of a property was to multiply the number of rooms in there. So um, that kind of made sense. There's pros and cons to both. Um, but I'd say a, a mixture of meeting people that worked in HMOs and also just kind of wanting to up as much income out of a property that we could. Excellent. So it sounds like having an HMO determines whether you're going to have a bad back or not. Yeah. <laughs> you must go with the territory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or owning, or owning some form of property. Yes. Yes. Um, interesting. Right. Well, so, so you, so you've got a business partner, Albie, who unfortunately couldn't be uh, on the podcast today. Um, but you, you, had you known each other for a long time? How long have you known each other? Yeah, um, so I think we met when we were probably about 12 years old in, in secondary school, we played football together. Um, we were good mates and a you know, close group of friends and still are today. Um, and so it kind of all started from me having the idea and then going home and one Christmas break on Christmas Eve, just kind of saying, you know, do you, do you fancy getting involved with this? I'd already spoken to yourself um, and had a coffee with you prior to, to mentioning it to him. So I kind of already said, look, I'm in contact with this person. And, um, do you want to, do you want to kind of join in with me? And he said, yes, but he said that, you know, at the time he, he did a year abroad before he started working. So he'd only just started his job and he wanted to fast track and, and get kind of promoted and stuff before he started it. Cause he wanted to be able to give it a bit more time. So it was another 12 months from that, um, that, that we actually started um, taking it a little bit more seriously and, and, and started the company and this that and the other. Um, but I could, I, could, I could ping the question back and say, obviously the first, conversa the first conversation that we had about property was in, in Starbucks and I must have only been 21 or 22 at the time. So what did you think of me when, <laughs> um, when this young lad walks in with his laptop and a, and a notepad and just starts asking you about random questions? Well, I, I thought you had obviously educated yourself. I knew you knew something about it. And I knew that every time I came to have 
you know, my, my back and the adjustments and so on, the way you were treating me, that there was, there was a little bit of conversation about health and my back, but, you know, 90% was about, so tell me about HMOs, tell me about this, tell me about that. Um, so I knew you were very interested and I, I thought in my heart of hearts at some point you probably would want to come and work with me. I didn't know how long it would take before you made that decision. And uh, I think I felt that you had the desire, you had the commitment, and actually even at your age you had the right mindset. And that's been very, very important because we're going to come to this in a little while, but you've had some obstacles, some difficulties along the, on, along the way. And uh, having the right mindset, I think, is key to be, being able to overcome some of those. So, Dan, I'm just going to move on from you. We'll come back to you in a little while. To Sarah. Hi. Hi Sarah, hi. Uh, so let me, let me just say for the record that Sarah and I have also known each other for an awfully long length of time. <laughs> Um, we go back a long, long time when our children were very, very small when we first met. We don't live too far from each other. Um, and our paths have taken, you know, our lives have taken different paths and we've done different things with our lives. Um, so, Sarah, what was it that you started to sort of generate your, your thinking and your, your kind of creativity and your interest in HMOs? I think, well, it goes back to we've got one buy to let property. Uh, which we bought three years ago. Um, I work full time at the moment, uh, very demanding job, um, a lot of travel as well. And it's always been, uh, all those 25 years ago when we first met, we were both very much um, had this vision, we knew what we wanted. And I think back then we wanted the financial freedom and, and we had, had all these visions and then the children get a little bit older. And then, um, Two years, well, one and a half years ago, I, I uh, hit the, the big um, five zero. So um, it was it was a bit of a realization. Oh my goodness, I, I've, I've wanted this for years and years, and I've tried different things. And um, and then I, I saw all the posts that you were putting on Facebook, and it's like, oh, what's what's this Wendy's doing now? <laughs> and so it was very much messaging yourself. Let's have a coffee. What's this about? Uh, you come armed with. Uh, your book which was fantastic um, and, and that was it really I was uh, from that meeting again totally hooked um, uh, as I say we'd already got one buy to let property so we were interested in property but I don't think we would have known much about it I've never lived in HMO um, so I didn't really know a lot about them um, so it was really good to hear uh, about what what is achievable so since we started working together, since you joined the mentoring program, and obviously you've, you've kind of devoured lots of other information along the way, Sarah, what have you learned that you, has, has either surprised you or um, kind of made you a little bit, a little bit shocked? What, what, what have you learned that's kind of created a bit of an emotional reaction with you? Um, oh my goodness! Emotional every day. I think <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a different uh, emotional roller coaster. Um, I think. I think the practicalities of of the you know the five steps that you that you that you go through, um, but I think it's what's achievable. It's you know it's not this thing to be scared of, or it's almost like a different world that. Um, and and I think reading Rich Dad Poor Dad probably sums that up. That you know it, going down a path that you've been programmed all your life from school this is a path that you take and then all of a sudden it, it's it's this big world that you think wow you know this 
this is what living is about. And I think that's probably the, the big surprise. I knew it was out there somewhere and I've been searching for it all this time. And then to actually find it, you think, wow, really powerful. So for you, the draw is a change in lifestyle, isn't it? Total change in lifestyle. Um, but also, I think, um, helping... I'll say helping just just supplying that demand as well um and doing something worthwhile uh, I do work for a charity but it, it's uh, as head of fundraising and it's everywhere you go it, it's it, they're putting barriers up to for you to be able to do your job and um so to to, to be able to go down uh, this road um, to have this financial freedom, especially when you get to the big five, though, it's it's really powerful. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I do think that your what you how you describe it in that it's a it's a whole new world. You you knew you had an inkling it it existed, but you didn't know where it existed, and you didn't know if it's just a fable or a myth. And suddenly the door is opened, your mind opens up, you have a gateway into this world, and you realise that there are people who do not swap their time for money. There are people who have investments that pay their bills, their mortgage, their outgoings. And you've heard about this mythical land of <laughs> residual income. And, and, and now you've met people who've got that residual income and, and you know, they, they might say they're living the dream. I don't yeah. know if it's always a dream. Sometimes it is a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> but certainly it's, a, it's totally different from the way we were brought up to yeah. get good qualifications, get a job, pay off your mortgage, you know, and just live a life of quiet desperation. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's very much about mindset shift, but also awareness shift, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, very much so. Now, Sarah, you're, you're married. You've got two grown-up sons. Um, what do your family think of what you're doing? But a husband, Gary, totally behind it. He's really excited and actually just taking voluntary redundancy. And I think um, uh, because obviously with everything that's going on, that the opportunity was there. And if we hadn't have got the HMOs lined up, that would not have become a reality. He would have been moved within his job onto a job that he would not have been happy with at all. And it's, it's, it's helped us to, to make the decision to be brave, to say, do you know what? Let's take the voluntary redundancy. Let's go for this. You can work on the HMO because um, we're actually going to be completing our first, first purchase. Um, it keeps moving, but hopefully ne next Friday. Um, so Gary will be able to do quite a lot of the work. And also I, I really want the boys, the boys are 25 and 23, uh, and I really want the boys to be involved and um, to be able to get their own properties going forward so they don't have to sit on a motorway uh, for two hours a day like I have done for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, great. So you've got some really great motivation then. You've got a good team behind you, haven't you? Which is, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Your pleasure. I'd like to move on to Jane. Hello, Jane. Hi. So Jane, you are a more experienced investor. You already had a portfolio of HMOs when we first met. And you were, I think, at a little bit of a crossroads in your journey because you were trying to decide what the next step should be. Would you say that would, that was, that's a fair picture of how things were? Um, yes, yes, definitely. That's, um, 
Yes, I just got to a point where I didn't know whether to carry on with HMOs or to perhaps try and do some bit larger projects. Um, so yes, so I came to you for some assistance in and guidance in where to where to head. And we roped you in, and we've never let you go ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jane, tell us about your, you know, what had led you to uh, say the, the point last year when you joined the mentoring program. What was your portfolio like? What what had you'd already got some experience of developing HMOs before you even came on board? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Those first few years in HMOs, what were they like for you? Um, well, I first uh, bought my first HMO in 2014. Um, I had got myself educated to a certain extent uh, before doing that. Um, and it was, I used to um, work for the local authority and in council housing, letting and managing council houses. So it seemed like HMO seemed like a really good like fit for me sort of thing. So um, I decided that that's how it decided that was the way to go. But um, I still had quite a few challenges in my first HMO because I didn't have the detailed guidance that maybe going on your um, mentoring program would have like given me. Okay. Um, so I did fall foul of a few things really. Um, like funding was one of them. Um, paying, probably paying too much for the property that I was uh, buying was another one. Um, and yeah, so the things didn't go to plan. Uh, the builder was another one, actually, because um, the builder I had was very much an old school builder who thought that I didn't want to do all the nice things that I wanted to do in my HMO, that I, I should just leave it and it, it was fine. And, you know, he just had that vision of the old style of HMOs in fairly poor condition, like in a poor area sort of thing. So it was quite difficult working with him to convince him that I wanted to do something more high end, more you know, different to that. And, and that's been part of your brand, hasn't it? Because part, part of your business growth has been to develop the brand, the website, the, the feel, the, the reason why people would come and rent a room from you as opposed to somebody else. It's not just been about producing beautiful rooms, which is what you do so well, but it's also been about having that, the social media, you know, the, the, the marketing message that goes alongside that, which has been part of your, your growth, hasn't it? It has, and um, I actually operate in a very small, defined area. And and over a few years now, I think I have become sort of known um, as somebody who provides good quality accommodation. Try and provide like a like provide a communal area in every house, so that there's a um, a sort of community within the house, which actually leads to less management issues. I find um, I only to do properties for like young professionals, so um, I try and keep to very strict age guidelines and um, also I interview everybody myself and try and make sure somebody as best you can can fits in with the uh, the rest of the group in the house so it's it's kind of trying to create a community uh, in a nice environment somewhere close to where somebody's going to be working. Um, and you, your HMOs are in a, a as you say defined a very small defined area but accessible into London in a very good commuting area, aren't they? So that there's an awful lot of reasons why somebody would want to live in, in that particular area. There's a lot of opportunities to, in terms of jobs and career and so on. That's right. I um, The actual population of the area that I um, invest in is just over 6,000. So wow. It's a small, um, it's a really small area, but there's a local hospital. Lots of like companies have their headquarters not very far away. 
it's fantastic light links road train to London so it it's just um, it is important to choose your area carefully and that, that particular area has worked well for me. Now Jane you've got a lot of experience so you, you know you've been investing for six years now in HMOs uh, got a number of them under your belt got, uh, got a nice portfolio of rooms now so if somebody came to you and said, look, I'm thinking about investing in HMOs, I think I've got a good area, which is often the first stumbling block, but let's, let's assume somebody's sort of chosen their area. Are there some key learnings you've had along the way that you would give in terms of advice to somebody who's just starting up now? Uh, well, definitely um, I'd get myself educated and more educated than I, than I did really. Um, and I think that that's invaluable. Um, it just stops you making the mistakes that you otherwise make and actually can be quite costly. Um, the property I mentioned where I had a, the builder who didn't believe in what I was doing, I've had to go back again and do an additional refurb to it, which cost me more money um, because I didn't do enough work at the time to make it to the standard that I now want to yeah, make properties to. So that was a, um, that was a learning curve. Um, I think networking and um, attending meetings, listening to podcasts, all that type of thing um, is great. There's a lot of free stuff out there, so you don't necessarily have to initially pay for, for mentoring. But I think the cost of mentoring, whilst it is expensive when you're first starting out, is definitely, definitely worth it. Um, so, so it sounds to me that you, one of the things you learned from that first build, which you have definitely addressed ever since, has been setting the quality standard for the refurb. Would you, would you say that was quite a key learning that you, you kind of almost will never uh, compromise on now, that, that yeah. the builder you work with has got to understand your vision <laughs> for how it's going to look at the end of it, and it's not going to be a shabby magnolia and white student grungy HMO? No. That's definitely not. And yes, um, but I didn't really know, I suppose. I didn't define it perhaps well enough in the first place because I didn't, you know, it's kind of you feel your way a little bit initially, don't you? So I was just feeling feeling my way. I left some old carpets in there, which are horrible colour, but just because they weren't that in that bad condition, I left them there, regretted it, just made the whole place look shabby. Um, so there were just like lots of things like that that um, yeah definitely so define what you what what your vision is really I suppose and the builder I've had for the rest of the um, the other eight HMOs that I've done um, has bought into the what I wanted to do so we've had a great um, a product at the end of the day yes. And it's, it's creating that great product, which is long lasting. It's effectively future proofed. You, it also works with your brand, doesn't it? It's true to your brand. So even though the houses may be quite different in layout and shape and size, each time now you're creating something which you know is alignment with who you are and what your business is all about. So, you know, if, if somebody did, for example, need to swap rooms or, you know, you, you needed to, maybe because of coronavirus or something, you needed to, to move people around, they're not going to get a lesser quality in one of your properties. They, they're going to get the same standard and the same approach. Um, yes, that's true. I, I guess I have, um, I have got braver as I've gone along and particularly in the communal areas where I've like, yes, I sort of, I quite enjoyed the interior design part of it. So I've kind of like got, yeah, got braver, put different things on the walls, different furniture. So yeah, I tried that. The bedrooms are pretty much the same in each property. 
um, but the communal areas tend to like vary a little bit and maybe have a bit of a theme and uh, so yeah so I can express my own kind of like um, uh, yeah your own your own sort of um, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen <laughs> <laughs> yes if only it was as good as his but yes <laughs> John sitting there thinking who's that <laughs> No oh, idea. Yeah, Dan has got no idea who we're talking about. No idea. <laughs> yeah, but and actually though, that's that's also nice because what you don't want is for everything to look uniform. There's there's a certain importance, I think, in creating a, an HMO brand where there's consistency and reliability, but not necessarily uniformity. Because actually you do want each house to have its own quirkiness, its own features, mm. its own layout, its you know, different furnishings. If if nothing else, so that you can easily identify it. Mm. <laughs> you yes. know, once you get beyond about 30 rooms and six or seven HMOs, it's it's kind of can be quite hard sometimes to know which where, which photo is that from, which room <laughs> is that from, if they all look identical. Yeah. So that's actually uh, very important to, to point out that you do want each house to maximise its own features and, and be slightly different from the next one. So Jane, thank you very much for that. That's that's very wise and sage advice. And uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be people listening today who will be chomping at the bit to get to the stage where they've got eight or nine HMOs that are cash flowing and are working well. Um, what I'd like to do is, is uh, as a group, really, uh, ask you individually, and we can share this together. Um, some of the challenges now, because it's very easy, isn't it, to focus on the, the great side of HMOs, the cash flow, the multiple streams of income, uh, the fact that you can take a house and have five levels of income stream rather than just one as you would in a single buy to let but there are challenges too and and i think we wouldn't be being fair to hmos if we didn't um acknowledge those so perhaps in turn let, let's start with you dan what what have been your challenges so far i think we've had a few um i think you know patience is a word that keeps on coming back around um being chomping at the bit and achieving the, the position where we are now where the kind of stepping stones are there we know what we need to do um we just need to do it it's great but equally you you want to skip forward you want to uh, do so much more than actually maybe you can and, and being patient and it is something that i think one of the lessons which we're still learning um and we've we've had challenges with things like understanding the legislation um is one of, of recent that um maybe we were too hasty or we didn't actually fully understand that part of it. So um, that's had an effect. So that kind of comes into it. Little trivial things like trying to get a business bank account. That's a, that's a little one that, we, that we've been struggling with um, because we're right at the start. Um, so trying to show proof that you're an official business at the beginning can be um, a challenge. Um, so a few different things. The coincidence with that is also that you've hit a very difficult time haven't you you know doing this right now during coronavirus sure. when banking is you know not at full capacity and when lots of uh, banks have got staff who are furloughed they're being much more strict about taking on new accounts uh, they're dealing with the business loans the, the bounce back loans and other funding streams so the pressure on banks is is very big at the moment and you you come into that that time um which i don't think has made it any easier for you um has it i think i think that's also been a, a bit of a sort of unfortunate coincidence really yeah no i'd agree with that i'd agree with that i think also um 
Albie works in London. So a huge thing that we had to learn was um, to, to work with each other and, and the more communication that we have, the more that seems to get done. We had times where our communication dropped and productivity dropped um, and not much happened that month. Whereas when we give each other five minutes a day to kind of, even if it's just me outlining what I've done and, and showing him um, everything or this and the other, that, that's been a huge thing to learn to, to go from being friends with someone to having to kind of switch your head and go a little bit serious is fun, but also was something that we definitely needed to learn and work on. Um, yes. Okay. So that's, that's real, really good insight. So for people who are maybe looking to set up a business with a partner, a business partner or a, or a long standing friend, uh, there are some things they're going to have to bear in mind, aren't there? There's some ways of working. There's a new, a new approach, a new way of working they have to adopt. So how, how have you managed to kind of work your way through that? And, and what do you still see as some of the, the challenges or the issues that you're facing? I think we make more of a point to check in on a business side of things. We talk to each other most days about rubbish, um, but to actually dedicate kind of five minutes um, to go through things just holds each other a little bit more accountable and then gets more done. Um, so that was that was definitely something which um, helped. Whereas before, we just trusted each other to do to do everything, and then a month down the line, and you really haven't done that much. Um, so, so that was how we overcome that one. Um, in terms of future challenges, um, I don't really know too much. I think I think we're going with the flow, and we're we're having to learn um, as we go along. That's that's we're kind of we're learning on the job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've had a number of business partnerships, some of which have worked well, some haven't worked so well. And uh, roles and responsibilities has always been one of the areas that you, you, you kind of naturally start to think about as time goes on. Start with you're both doing almost everything and you just divide up the tasks 50-50. But after a while, you learn that actually one of you is particularly good at one thing and not so good at another. And it just so happens your business partner's much better at that than you are. So having different skills and different strengths and as time goes on, you'll probably find where you're each good and, and maximize those is going to be the key. But right now where you are, it's, you're, you're probably still got a big to-do list and it's right, Dan, you do this, Albie, you do this, Dan, you do this, Albie, you do this. <laughs> so great. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's really, really valuable. Uh, Sarah, yeah. have you had any challenges or has it all been sailing? <laughs> oh, dory I think um, the two main challenges for, for me were, uh, the first one is fitting it all in when I was doing 10, 10 hour days, um, 12 hour days. Um, and, but I think you, you've just got to find that you have got to find the time. Um, and then when, when the um, pandemic, started we, uh, we just had the offer accepted on our first hmo and it was all pretty much oh actually everything's on hold now um we'd had uh, some searches done and things and and i felt a, a, a bit of a relief to be fair and i thought hang on a minute why am i relieved that this is stalled um and then and so i had to really have a think about that so um I think it's more the self-development. I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier. And um, so to combat the those two things about having the demanding job and the self-development, I still get up. I'm working from home at the moment, but I still get up at 6 a.m. And I have a, literally half an hour of every day 
mapped out and I know what I'm doing of everything all the all the points in my day I know what I'm doing even down to that I will uh, look at which podcasts that I will um, listen to when I go from a walk in the morning um, at lunchtime after work and then in the evening so everything is mapped out so I can make sure that I can fit everything in plus the self-development is very much about um, building your confidence and and just just really going for it and, and not being too concerned about um, oh what if this happens what if that happens you could just go through all the time uh, with with those questions so yes. um, they're the two main things that I've, I've worked on. Wow. I mean, Sarah, that is incredibly disciplined of you. I'm really impressed to hear that because (laughs) I think I I know how demanding your job is. I know how much traveling you have to do. And I know how tiring that is as well. So you're getting up extra early to fit in self-development, personal development and exercise before you even go to work. Yes. So... But I am working from home now, so it's a little bit easier. But I start work at half eight, but I get up at six to make sure that I get all those things done before um, I do start work. And then I have my lunch break and I'll do something then. So the other thing that I do, I I have broken... Sounds a little bit very quite anal now, but I've broken my life down into four pillars. And there's a book by Dr. Uh, Chatterjee, who uh, and he does a four pillar plan. So each part of my life has got the four pillars, and I work on the four pillars. I have those four pillars planned in my diary throughout the week to make sure that I don't miss anything. Do you want to come and run a <laughs> webinar for me? <laughs> that sounds amazing, Sarah. Wow, that's incredible. And and do you think that you wouldn't be doing that? if you weren't investing in HMOs? I mean, how are the two related? Because you, you might say to me, oh, they're nothing to do with each other, Wendy. But no, are they? Yeah, do you, do you think there is a relationship here? Yeah, I think because one of, the, one of the things that I was doing is I was putting all things on the calendar and fitting the HMO in somewhere. And you think, hang on a minute. HMO is one of the first things I need to be put, apart from work, obviously, but one of the first things that I need to be putting in there but then it got me thinking, well, hang on, I want to go for a walk. I want to do yoga. I want to do this and I want to do that. So how can I fit it all in? So that's why I went back to that. It has taken me quite a while, but but just that um, the, the self-development in, in the morning, having five minutes silence, um, you know, doing five minute meditation and, and then your exercise and it, it's just, for me it's just really helped and I feel very um focused and motivated that's that's fantastic well I've read a number of biographies of top business people you know people who run multi-billion pound businesses and there is a thread that runs through it they're all early risers they all plan their day Mm -hmm. and many of them have some form of meditation absolutely and that's where i've got it from you know that from you know listening to podcasts reading about it you know what do other people do you know other people are are doing this so why surely i can fit it in and that's what i've done and so I've, i've just copied that and, and, and done it but as I say it's taken quite a while to get where I want to be and I've got a spreadsheet with all my hours on and, and half an hour is on and uh, and what have you so yeah great really great wow that's very inspiring thank you thank you for that um, now Jane for you 
um, you you already have a good size portfolio. You, when we met, you already had a good income from HMOs. So for somebody who's got a, a portfolio, who maybe already has a business, what do you think are the challenges at that level? Because they're, they're different from the ones that maybe Sarah and Dan are facing, where they're maybe still trying to find properties or they're still trying to get their power team, their builder and so on. You, you've got a lot of that sussed already. So for you, that's not that's your challenge. What, what's your challenge, Jane? Um, I think the, the biggest challenge, um, well, two, two big challenges. What One's to do with, I basically had um, just done the bits that I liked doing when I was doing the, um, the HMOs and not really covered the systemizing of everything. So I, I have created myself um, another job, really, I suppose, in a way. One that I really love doing, but I have created myself another job. So I... Um, Part of the reason I joined your mentoring group was to um, to work out how to systemize my business. Um, so I have moved forward over the past um, period of time I've been with yourselves um, doing that. Uh, and now I'm looking to find somebody to actually work in the business as well so that they can take on um, some of the uh, roles that, that I do, uh, at least give me more flexibility around the amount of time I have to work in the business. So, so your focus is, is now thinking much more about your team, your, your, your operations, uh, how not necessarily just to scale and to have more rooms, but how to perhaps free up some more of your time so that you can do what you enjoy. Uh, mm -hmm. would, would you say that was? That was yes. Yeah. Picture? Yeah. Cause, because I, I'm, unlike Sarah, I'm not quite as disciplined really in generally. <laughs> so, so I do just, yeah um go go towards the things that i actually like doing and not the things i don't so i need somebody to do the things that i don't like doing like the systemizing and the, the scanning in of all my documents and that type of uh, that type of thing so to get that um up and you know up and running better yeah yeah okay so so for you it's and, and this is i think where people you know it, are, are at different levels and i think there is definitely a level where you sort of hit this moment where you think yikes i've actually created myself a second job and while you might have some you know, tentative members of the team who do some bits for you here and there. Now it's maybe about developing a little bit more of a formal relationship with those people, employing them or taking them as contractors, having an operations manual so that you can then actually recreate the lifestyle that you probably started a few HMOs ago when you had the income and you still had the time. But now you've got the income, but maybe you don't have the time. So it's now going to the next level again, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. I mean, just at the moment, there's always something happening. Um, obviously, coronavirus had a, a, an impact on it. And that's part of the reason that um, there's obviously more movement amongst the, the tenants now. So um, I'm finding that most weekends there's something that I need to attend to. So it's difficult to, you know, to find the time that I might use to do other things. Mm. OK, so. We're going to we're going to finish in a minute. But before we finish, I'd just like you each to think of one sentence or one thing that you have learned or one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's listening today may have decided to start with HMOs but is uh, either sitting on the fence or um, has started. What piece of advice would you give to them today? Sarah, can I come to you first? Yeah, I would say, look at your goals. Um, plan your goals 
if you're with a partner uh, as well, husband, wife, uh, or partner, um, and your goals then will determine what you want to to do go to to go forward in that because your goals might be well anything but i think that is the key thing um and then go on from your goals you'll develop your actions and also include your deadlines and then you're aiming for something and you you will create the life of your dreams but you you need to know where you're going first to do that fantastic thank you dan what would you say Difficult one, I think, because we're right at the start of our journey. So, I mean, we're still learning ourselves. Um, but I would say that there's there's always kind of excuses and reasons why not to do something or why not to start, uh, whether that be HMOs or investing or anything, really. Um, whereas there's always... So with, with that, that's never going to change. So you may as well kind of get your head down and start piecing together how you're going to achieve whatever it is, whether that be a lifestyle, whether that be something superficial that you, that you want. Um, there's always going to be reasons why you shouldn't invest in HMOs. There's always going to be the person in the pub that says you shouldn't do this. Um, but there's always people that are doing it. So if you think that you can be that person, then find out how and start to piece together how you, how you achieve it. Great. Thank you. Jane. I'd say the same really. Get, your, get yourself educated. Um, so that you don't make the mistakes that, that um, most people make initially. Um, if you decide to go for it, then go for it. Um, you'll learn loads along the way, but don't expect it to be a get-rich-quick strategy. It's more of a, uh, a slow and steady strategy. Um, and if you are willing to accept that and be patient, you will um, get, to the, you know, get to the point where you uh, realise your dreams. Fantastic. Great. Jane, Sarah, Dan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been incredibly valuable. Uh, I would love everybody who's listening to make comments. If you've got questions, queries, put them uh, in either in our Facebook group um, or comment below about the podcast. But I'd like to say a massive big thank you to our three very special guests today. Thank you very much. Thank speaking to you all very soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast. If you'd like to know more about how you can create a profitable HMO business, please visit our website, hmosuccess.co.uk, to find out more. We have plenty of free tools and information for you there, and also on our Facebook group, The Ultimate HMO Success System. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening.